Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! You don't like that? You don't like NBA basketball! Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of All Nat brought to you by OTS. I'm your host Natalie and today I have a Bay Area legend with me. <laughs> don't gas um, me like that don't gas me like that <laughs> no definitely a bay area legend um jason maples um if you are on if you're on twitter um and a part of nba twitter there's no way you don't know jason everyone retweets him quotes him sometimes he makes people upset um <laughs> you know jason is a good follow because like his own fan base and he's a lakers fan they even be getting upset at him sometimes and then you know that that's how you know he's good right and like even and measured because like he's never too biased in one direction i actually do really like that about him i cannot say that i'm the most objective sports fan so (laughs) he still has some stuff i don't agree with but generally speaking No, I really, I really do enjoy following Jason. Um, and so I'm so happy that he agreed to be on the show because is this safe territory for you? Like, you're not going to be like outcasted by uh, a Lakers Twitter for teaming up with me, right, Jason? I already am, you feel me? So we just going along with it. Just, <laughs> this is on brand. This is on brand. <laughs> uh, they, they don't, they're not that high on me over there. So... <laughs> So thank you. Welcome to the show, Jason. Seriously, thank you. That's all good. Let's rock. Um, Jason's a coach, so I always love talking to coaches because they have a different um, perspective and point of view. And so his team will be in the playoffs this year. Contra Costa, am I saying that correct? Contra Contra Costa College, a.k.a. University of Richmond, baby. There you go. So I'm, I don't want to butcher the name he just told you. So we're rooting for them. We hope that they go far in the playoffs, go all the way. Um, so excited for that too, Jason. Um, so we, both of our teams had like really bad losses uh, the other night recently. The Warriors played the, the, the Dallas Mavs and they were up at one point. They had like a 21 point lead and they kind of led for most of the game going into the fourth quarter they were still up by 14 and they just totally fell apart um, in that fourth quarter. Uh, Were you, were you watching the game? Did you see Actually, they were, they were both on ESPN. So I watched them both back to back. It was like, so I was like, I got to watch both games. So I I was doing this. So I got a hundred percent of both games in. (laughs) Oh, okay, good. So we, I want to talk about that a little bit. And then the Lakers, 
what's the last game the Lakers won? I'm not even trying to be funny, but you guys have been kind of on like a losing streak. Uh, yeah, it's bad. Um, I'm trying to remember the last game they won. I want to say right before the All Star break, they got one in. Hold on, let me. Man, it's bad when you got to check your check <laughs> to pull up. A... And I don't think I don't think honestly anyone expected this, right? Like as much as I am like always rooting against the Lakers. I just don't think I predicted this for the, their season this year. Well, I I thought the the Westbrook thing would be shaky. I didn't think it would be like, you know, a, a, death, a, a death nail, which it, it has been. But they beat the Jazz on the 16th. That was the last win. And then before that, it, they beat the Knicks on the 5th. But the wins are coming few and far between, unfortunately. <laughs> So let's talk about the the Warriors game first, and then right. I want to talk about the Lakers. So what what did you see? Because I mean, Clay didn't play last night, and Draymond's been out for quite a while. But like, you know, but I don't want to use that as an excuse because the Warriors had the game in hand most they were of the about game. Twenty, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like they just crumbled. They just fell apart, you know. And I I know throughout the game, like Dallas was missing some shots. But like, you know, and the Warriors defense was better throughout like the earlier parts of the game, but they just, you know, they just went on like a long period, like they couldn't score, they couldn't make any shots and, and credit to Dallas, like they did step their, step their defense up. But I I think I saw you tweet something about Wiggins and like him having to do more when people were loading up on stuff. So um, there's that, but like, what, what were you seeing as it unfolded? What do you think happened? I mean, for me, watching the Warriors lately, there's been two issues that I kind of been lamenting on. And some of y'all get upset with me because you know I, I get the Dre Wiseman thing, and I get that those guys are going to be important. Um, uh, it's two things for me that really kind of rare for the for the Warriors uh, for me that showed themselves. The first thing was um, on the defensive end, they just the lack of size. Um, I, I think the buyout deadline is tomorrow, but from everything that I'm hearing on the radio and local sports talk. I am in the Bay Area, so that's what I hear on the radio. Um, the Warriors are going to stand pat with their roster. Like, they really think that Wiseman's going to be, like, maybe not a starter, but he's going to contribute. So, um, they just don't have any size right now. Outside of Looney's, they're, they're playing their biggest guy in their rotation right now at 6'9". Right. And they just, you know, they get mauled inside. Like, and I like Looney for for what he, you know, he's a good player for what he, he's gone through and what he contributes, but he's just not a, he's not a rim protector. So if the Warriors ever have a game where they're not, you know, as crisp as they are on their rotations or something like that, or have a guy who can get to the rim a lot, um, they're going to they're struggle. And I think Dallas stopped settling so much for, for jump shots. And I think Kidd did a good job of adjusting. It's like, we just need to keep attacking the basket. He posted up Luka a lot, uh, had Dinwiddie driving a lot. There's just no rim protection. And then also that hurts on the offensive glass as well. So that's what I've noticed on that end. You know, that's been a theme for the Warriors lately. And the other end, it just, you know, um, I crack jokes with my co-host. My co-host on my pod is a big Williams guy. Um, I crack jokes about the Temple of Hoop, right? Temple of Hoop, yeah, yeah, that's my pod. Check it out, follow, <laughs> yeah. subscribe. Yeah, 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 appreciate that. But we joke, he's a big Williams guy. Um, Williams has just got to be an all-star. When they load up on Steph like that, you know, they, they don't, Wiggins sees no help. It's all one-on-one. But, you know, he gets any resistance. He likes to take these, you know, off-balance, step-back jumpers and, and settle when his athleticism is off the charts. He should be a guy who should be able to get downhill and take advantage of these situations. I saw um, 
he hasn't scored 20 points in a long, I forgot the exact date, but it's been a while since he scored over 20 points. And it's just, they're going to need that from him at, um, at some point. And to be fair, Clay has been, you know, very good. I think by the time playoffs come, Clay's going to be maybe not back to his old self, but pretty close. And we all know Clay has a, you know, big, he's a big moment player. So I think when teams load up on Steph, Clay is going to be more than willing to step up and take shots. But I think, like you said, there's no Clay, no Dre. Uh, Wiseman still hasn't played a minute. Like Clay and Dre are two big pieces, but you probably would like to see him close that game uh, being up 20 on, on the doubt. The Mavs are playing way better than they were this year, though. So I think yeah. the Mavs are better than their record shows because they started off so slow. Right. Uh, but they're better than their record shows. Kid has those boys playing. Agreed. But, yeah, you still want to see him close that at home. You don't want to. I think that's the first time in the Kerr era that they had dropped a game where they led by twenty in the second half or something. It was crazy. First, like first time it ever happened since Kerr was coaching. Spencer Dinwiddie, like they, they had nothing for him. Like he was just doing whatever he wanted last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a Dallas traded for him like in a last ditch effort to just get Luca another ball handler, and that's probably like the first game to like get really paid dividends. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, the Lakers though, I didn't even get to watch the game, but oh, I did every. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know. So you guys played the Pelicans. I know that uh, they got CJ now, but you know, and I know that you're a big uh, Bi guy. But what happened? And I mean, you had fans arguing with <laughs> with like, oh, like, what the hell is going on with the Lakers? Like, uh, you know, it's just I, I'll say this. Um, about the Lakers and the Warriors fan base to an extent when a fan base is so big and just so many different opinions flying around, there's going right. to be, you know, fireworks on the timeline or on a social, any type of social media site. So that's kind of is what it is. But yeah, I just think the, um, anytime with the, the one thing the Pelicans do, well, they're, they're fighting for plans by just like the Lakers, just like the Lakers, the, the Pelicans do though. They play hard. Like they're under Willie Green, Willis one thing. Remember, they started off one and twelve, so they're also one of those teams that's a lot better than their current record because they started out with one win in, in the first month of the season, right? So, right. That their record shows they're about five hundred whenever Brandon Ingram plays. So they're they're a decent enough team when he's suited up. Um, the Lakers just when you play hard, the Lakers just don't have a response for it. They just uh, the effort wasn't there, the rotations. Um, Willie Green was very deliberate in putting certain guys in a lot of action. Um, you know, Westbrook making him, you know, defend off ball stuff a lot. They got a lot of open shots. Uh, the Lakers just aren't interested in rotating that LeBron at the five lineup. It worked for a minute, but it's just too much to ask of him at age 37. He's not rotating on the backside like that at this age. Um, and they just got bl- out the blown out. You know, they're, you know, yell, cussing out people in the stands, getting fans ejected, yelling back and forth. It's just, it's just, it's you know, kind of snowballing, unfortunately. But you know, you think they're making the playoffs this year? Um, my thing is, so looking at it, um, I put up a, a poll that said, you know, are they going to make it? Um, they got the upper hand now by a couple games, and I want to say they're going to sneak into that ten spot. I think Portland, Portland has a schedule maybe just as hard as the Lakers. They're actually interested in tanking, so I can see Portland kind of falling out and having the Lakers uh, stay in that 9-10 spot. But I do think um, New Orleans is going to get a 10. San Antonio's coming. You know, Popovich doesn't believe in in tanking, in tanking so he's going to try to push for wins. So I think their competition, they got two and a half games on 
New Orleans uh, in two and a half games on uh, in four on San Antonio. But um, I posted their schedule <laughs> yesterday. It's just real. I'm trying to find. I was trying to find. Yeah, you guys have like one of the hardest strength of schedules, right? Yeah. So they got the. Um, so we're going into March. Let me see. So March, they got the Mavericks. You you know they're not a slouch tomorrow. After that, they got the Clippers. Ty Lue has never lost to the Lakers since he's been the head coach there. Six and zero. You got the Lakers. Got the Warriors. Lakers again. We'll see how that goes. And then you got the Spurs, who'll be fighting for their life. And then, so you got the Rockets on the ninth. You get a little bit better. You got Rockets, Wizards back to back on the ninth and the eleventh. But then right after that, it goes, you know, Suns, Raptors, Timberwolves, Raptors again, Cavs, Sixers, Pelicans again, Mavericks, Jazz. Like these are all teams who are fighting for playoff spots right. are already in the playoffs. So I was like, it's going to be tough. Um, so they got to figure something out. They just cut, finally got rid of um, DJ. And brought in DJ Augustine. Yeah. And you know. I saw that like the Sixers are interested in him. Why? He's just a big body man. I think it's take up space, but he just, you know, he was a great defensive player at one point, but at some point, you know, father time comes for everybody. It just came a little early for him. His body's just done, you know, unfortunately. He was a great player, great defensive player in his heyday, but his body just not, is now. not willing. Of course, obviously, you know, on Twitter, like we're joking, the Lakers demise is something that I delight in. But like, I just, I really can't comprehend what's going on with this team. Like, I wasn't someone that was like super high on the Lakers, like the way everyone is. Some of that was basketball based. Some of it was probably a little hate, but and wishful (laughs) thinking, right? Right. But I still, I still could have not anticipated this. And Russ gets a lot of the blame, you know, but what what are you seeing that's really the problem? It's not all Russ, is it? Right. No. So no, 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 no. See, I I think the mistake that a lot of people make is they try to put it all on one thing. You got people who think it's all on Russ. People who think it's all on Vogel. People who think it's all on Rob and Jeannie. When in combination, it's, it's, when in reality, it's a combination of all those things. Like it's a trickle down. So you start off, you know, I just real quick go through the whole timeline of events. So, you know, you got the um, the offseason comes. Uh, let's start with the Caruso situation. Now, like, that's on Genie. Genie's just too cheap to, to pay the tax. And you just can't do that when you're trying to win a championship. You're trying to cut pennies. So Caruso, his current contract, three years, $30 million with the Bulls, would have cost the Lakers like three years. Now, it would have been $30 million per year because of the, the tax, right? Right. Um, but he went back and, I, and said, the Bulls are offering me this. I want to come back to the Lakers, though, so I'll take a, a, a lesser deal. Well, they still say no. Uh, they, you know, they choose THT, when in reality, if, if Jeannie's not cheap, you know, she can just sign both, right? And on top of that, that gives you flexibility because, you know, Caruso has value. If nothing's working out or if there's no playing time, you can trade him for, for something, uh, right? right? So you lose, you lose a good player who gives you an option to upgrade your roster with a trade. That's first. You know, then... Um, when that first happened, did you think it was going to be as big a deal as it is now? No, and I actually have a whole bunch of leg because you throw it in my face. Like, I told you we were going to miss Caruso. <laughs> like, I, I knew we'd miss him, but I didn't think, like, he's going to be the difference between, you know, a championship and not. But, like, on them, those things matter, you know, so I, I underestimated losing him. Um, I Just to give his effect, Chicago, when he doesn't play, they're, like, 25th in defense or something like that. When he plays, they're top five. 
he's just such a great on-ball defender, rarely gets beat, always knows where to be in help. And like that, you know, that stuff matters. Um, so they miss him dearly. Uh, you go on, there's conflicting reports about who pushed for the rest trade. Apparently there was a meeting between AD and uh, Russ and LeBron. And then Rob had a Sacramento deal on the table to get Buddy healed. Um, they wanted that Knicks to get Westbrook. And so that happened. When you do that, the Westbrook, you know, you you sent four role players to make the money match uh, for one guy. And, you know, at that point, the move has to work because you lose all your flexibility. Like right. um, Montrez, you know, has value. for He, he could have been traded for something. Kuz has value. He could have been traded for something. KCP has value as a 3AD guy. He could have been traded for something. When you put all that into – one guy, it has to work, and it didn't. Westbrook's having the worst year uh, of his career, you know, since he was a rookie. Um, it's efficiency wise, decision making wise. At one point, he had zero assists and seven turnovers. Last, it's just really bad. Like his bad spacing, he adds to it. So he needs to operate in the open floor to be the best, best version of himself. The Lakers can't offer that. So like, that is a team fit issue. That's Rob. That's on Rob and Jeannie. Um, Vogel, you know coming to him doesn't play the optimal uh, lineups all the time, right? The offense gets real stagnant. A lot of that, like that's on him. And some of it is the pieces he was given, you know, uh, not much shooting. The shooters he do, he does have are terrible defenders, you know, Mello, Wayne Ellington, uh, even Monk, who, who's been a, a surprise. He even struggles on defense, right? So the shooters he does have, they, they, they don't defend well. So he, he's trying to play whack-a-mole with the lineups, trying to uh, figure out what he needs for that night. Do I need more defense, more offense? So that's a tough part. Um, then there's injuries, right? LeBron in and out of the lineup. Anthony Davis can't stay upright. That's part of it. And then on top of that, you know, to be honest, you know, LeBron and, and AD and, and Russ, they, they don't bring it every night. When they were out there, there were, you know, a whole bunch of players point that you know people have posted ad nauseum about the lack of effort that they show, whether it's rebounding, right. rotating. You know, the biggest thing for me is there's so many, so many plays where they get upset about something that happened on offense, or there's a bad turnover, or a bad shot, and they walk back, and the other team's getting a layup or open three. Like that happens entirely too much for a, a veteran laden team, unlike the Lakers. I think that and all that stuff just, you know. You know, I see that's a bunch of little things that blow up into a bigger issue, and that's kind of what happens. So it's not just one thing to me. I'm sorry I went long ago. I'm, I'm kind of like no, I'm I'm actually just looking at the schedule, but I think it's good that you gave like all this background because you know it's fun to blame it on Russ. Right, that's what I'm saying. But you know, I think like I think to me like one of the big lessons with the Lakers and even the Nets, but to a lesser extent, is a little bit about like why you maybe don't let players control so much of like what you do and I mean I know you said there's conflicting stories about Russ right. and like who pushed for him but um you know I like I just seeing like you know like in Brooklyn you know Harden came there um even like I see a lot of Nets fans and I'm curious how you think what kind of job Nash is doing but like people don't think <laughs> he, Nash is doing <laughs> He avoids a lot of criticism compared to the other coaches. <laughs> I'll just say that he gets a lot. He avoids a lot. Like it's exactly. under the radar stuff. A lot of it's because they're injured, but just uh, tactically, uh, he's not on par with a lot of other guys. I think that, you know, this is a deeper issue, but uh, there's always been that, that, um, that conversation about the type of jobs that 
you know, certain white cultures are allowed to walk into and that the black cultures kind of have to scratch from the bottom, you know what I mean? Or from a, a rebuilding situation that's not ideal. Right. And the record, record will be bad in three years and they have, they're showing the door, right? Never giving them the opportunity because the record was so bad. So, you know, and, and Kerr did, and I think Kerr is a great coach, but same thing with him, no coaching experience. Walks into, you know, the, the the Warriors had just won 50 games for the first time when he got that job. We're under the Steph Curry era. I think they just won 50 games. So it's like it's different, the difference in situations guys walk into is what I think about when I think about Nash. But the Nets in general, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the player empowerment era. It is what it is, you know. Because they wanted him, right? And I think a lot of people, like, when we brought up, like, those that stuff about, like, with race, they're like, this is not the case with Nash. Um yeah, they push for him. That's fair. That's that's right. that's a great point. I don't I don't complete like I think I still think his race factored in, even though people think like even though the players wanted him, I still think that that opportunity still may not like if they really wanted like a different coach, I think it was just much easier to do because it was Nash. But that being said, Kenny Atkinson was a very capable coach who was like already there. Right, right. And they, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think Kenny Atkinson is going to be next up for the whenever a new job opens up. Right. And so, anyway, they didn't want him. And look, they've had people in and out, but I think also their coaching has hurt them, which is why I referred to to them. And so, yeah, yeah, those are all just, things like yeah. players wanted. They didn't want a certain yeah. coach. When you, when, they wanted when you, like, yeah. When when you hear Kyrie and and Katie talk, they just wanted something like real loose and easy, like not so. You know, Kyrie was coming. Katie was coming from, you know, Steph, who we all know. Uh, I mean, coming from Kerr who we all know is very meticulous about the system he wants to run. Like, I see you right. guys complain about it. <laughs> so, yeah, like, we're going to talk about that yeah. in a second. <laughs> right. And then, you know, uh, Katie had just finished playing with Brad Stevens. You know, same thing. Meticulous uh, running, you know, this this type of set. You know what I mean? So, I think they were both looking for a little more freedom. And I think that, you know, um, Nash kind of offers that. So, I think that's something they look, they like, they like. I'm going to be hosting a space of soon, I think. Um, and there will be like some coaches on there who coach at like the, the college level. Um, but the conversation is around like, what is a good coach? Um, and in particular, it was like another uh, person. I don't know if you know him, Jason Battle, but like he wanted to like have the discussion because a lot of time, you know, Warriors fans were constantly talking about Kerr. And like after that, that that top 15 list came out you had a lot of Warriors fans pushing back against it but there's lots of Warriors fans who love him too but like the people who don't love him um some some of them can go extreme but like the pro Kerr camp they just think that you know if you don't like him you're ungrateful you don't know what you're talking about and and so I land in the place of like I don't think Kerr's a bad coach um I think he's like slightly above average. I don't think he's a great coach. You know, I think he's like good. Um, but I don't think he's like great. I don't. Um, but I'm curious in terms of, you know, is there any validity at all to the people who say like he makes things a little harder on Steph than it needs to be on the court? Is there any yeah. validity to that? I'm glad you asked. Here's where I am. So I think the great coaches, I think Kerr is a great coach, like in the sense of he has a great system, right? 
And I think what the two guys who I think are better than him, um, which are Spo and Ty Lu, is that they have a great system and they're willing to adapt on the fly. And I think that's the one thing Kerr does. Kerr's just like, we're going to do this. And, and, and if you stop it, it's a great system. If you stop it, then oh, what What the hell? And I think that is like the one thing I ding him on. But he gets guys to defend, guys buy into what he's doing. Probably and that's probably because Steph did it. And it's easier when you have your star buy-in. It's kind of like treating – he's kind of like treating Steph like Pop did Duncan. It was like, I'm going to coach this guy hard and get him to buy in, and it has to trickle down because that's just how the superstar goes in. You got to buy in. So I think that's kind of what he's doing with Steph. Um, my criticisms from Kerr came came last year, really, when it was clear that the Warriors' typical system just wasn't going to work. You just didn't have smart players. You had Oubre and Baysmore, um, who weren't smart. Wiseman was a rookie. You know what I mean? Um, no clay. You got a bunch of new guys and you're running this really intricate system. And then you got Steph who's in the hundredth percentile in every single um <laughs> individual individual part of the basketball, whether you know, pick and roll ball handler, uh, isolation, coming off dribble handoffs, coming off screens, and you insist on, you know, having him, you know, be set back screens and and, and be off ball when the talent last year lended itself to, you know, kind of leaning in to kind of what Houston did with Harden, but it was out of necessity. You know what I mean? So um, I get that he didn't want to burn Steph out. I'm sure that factored into it, but I I just thought that um, Steph had a historically great individual year last year and it wasn't maximized because Kerr insisted on running the same, the same system that he stuck with instead of adjusting. But to his credit, um, Kerr and, and Myers, Lakeup, they went and got smarter players. So the system works a little better now. So you replace Baysmore and uh, Ubre with smarter guys. You know, the Otto Porters, you know, you bring Eagle Dalla back. Those are smarter guys. You get Clay back. He's a high IQ guy offensively. Um, but on a night like last night when yeah. Clay's out, right, right, and Dre's gone, like Jordan Poole didn't even see 20 minutes. You know, um, yeah, that's tough. That, I, I thought I thought that was rare. I, I was remember watching. I was thinking about why doesn't pool play more? You got no. You need another shot creator when in, in a game like this because without Draymond and Clay, you know, that's a shot making and that's a great passer. So you need somebody who can kind of freelance. And I was wondering why he only got twenty minutes. Less than twenty minutes, nineteen. Nineteen. Y'all know it was nineteen twenty minutes. Yeah. yeah, and so and and that's the kind of stuff that like really drives some people crazy, you know? So I'm not going to sit here and say that some people maybe not don't go to the extreme end, but I think that, I think he is a coach that also similar to Nash escapes any kind of criticism. I can't really think of a time. And I know when you're winning, people aren't going to criticize, but I really can't think of a time ever that I've really seen her criticized for anything that he the 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 most I remember it was, the game seven in 2016 when he threw Festus out there, I think, or he threw Verja out there in the fourth quarter. That's what made just, us go crazy. Yeah, that, you, <laughs> that's the, the only last person time I, I saw criticize him was um, Amin El Hassan. Like, did yeah, you see I, uh, anyone else in the media? Yeah, yeah no, I, re- I remember like uh, the stuff I listened to at least because you know what, there wasn't spaces back then. Twitter maybe wasn't. I wasn't on Twitter that much, 
But I remember the like the just the general conversation on like the local radio and stuff was like, why the hell? Okay. <laughs> so I think there was some criticism there, but again, like they went on to win the three of the next four championships or something like that. Uh, if I recall, or two of the next three, they won two in a row with KD when he got hurt. But um, yeah, man, that is uh, I just I find it hard to criticize Kurt, man. Um, you got a, you got a front office. And I'm not asking you to. No, 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 no. You just get my opinion. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna. But it's just a guy who wins that much, even though he has, you know, a, a generational player. But uh, the thing about Kurt and Prince, his teams, they they're always gonna defend regardless. And I think that's the mark uh, of a great coach, even if offensively you don't love something. I think to yesterday, um, as a Laker fan, I can tell you this. Phil Jackson would just do stuff in the regular season to just see if it sticks, knowing it was questionable. It would throw a game or two. So, like, I, that's that's well within Steve Kerr's. He is from that tree. He did play for Phil. But we're Phil 60 plus like, games in. Like, how much I, more? I, do understand, you need to I understand. I understand. I understand. It didn't matter. Phil, Phil would just try. <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I'm telling you, like, that's that's definitely a part of it. The mad scientist team. Let me just try this. Uh, it's, a, it's a game. And part of it is the Warriors have so much confidence that I think that they can go into Phoenix in a game seven and win or something like that or win a big game five. But Memphis is Phoenix. on their heels. And now you yeah, just that, talk that, to that, me. Yeah, I just I think I think the Warriors have so much confidence that you know it doesn't they matter. They don't care about that. I think the Warriors' main thing is if we're healthy, we can be anybody. I think that's and if if we'll get if we get Dre upright, we get Wiseman giving us 10 to 15 minutes, we get the full version of Clay. We're a hundred percent. We're 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 good. I think that's the mentality, and I think you know that shows on a lot of what what Kerr does. Like he's not a, uh, you know, what do you say, chasing wins. I mean, he's chasing wins, but you know, he's not chasing that number one seed. If that makes sense. Yeah. I know, I know that. I know that bothers a lot of you that he's not pushing. Last those. year, it really did bother me. Um, I, like at this, I don't even think they should be chasing the one seed anymore, but. I don't know. There's just something to me about like respecting on some level, like the season and like <laughs> that, that makes sense. I get that they earned like as champions and everything that they've done to be confident, but there's, there's to me, there's something to like, just thinking like you can just keep tricking away games and you know, like that it doesn't matter or that it's not going to come back to bite you, but you know, it, it, it usually does seem to work out for them. And obviously I wanted to, cause it's my team, but yeah. like, there's a level of arrogance there to me. that <laughs> I, I find astounding to, right. to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. I guess, I guess it's all a matter of perspective. Cause I, I wouldn't call it arrogance. I, I, you know, I think just some teams, they just, when you have enough experience like that, you just prioritize health over everything else. You think you have great enough players where I can just go, like you've seen Steph do it at Houston, right? Game right. and a half. Like you have players that can go on the road and perform. So right. you worry about just get them there upright and healthy and don't possibly push something by, you know, trying to chase down number one seed and burn out. So depending on how you see it, it could be arrogance, could be confidence, could be smart. It's, it's all a matter of perspective on, on that issue. I hear you. So speaking of Steph, right? Like this has not been the best individual year for him, although he's still been incredibly impactful to the team. Um, yeah. And some yeah, I'm people, looking, oh, yeah, I'm looking at his, yeah. His impact stats are still insane, right? But 
It's really his shooting that most people are focused on. Um, and it's bad for Steph, right? Like shooting 38% or whatever he's shooting. It might be a little lower now, but his percentage for any other player would still be like, oh, that's very good. But yeah, that's, it, that's funny. So like, I'm looking at it right now. So this, <laughs> a lot of, so a lot of this, um, a lot of stuff that players do is broken up in, in the PPP by different, by different play actions, right? That's how Synergy does it. Okay. So just as a spot up shooter, like he's still in the 90th percentile. As people were complaining about me, like literally he's 90th percentile in spot up shooting. Um, in isolation, he's the best in the league uh, at 100th percentile. Uh, coming off screens, uh, 100th percentile. You know what I mean? It's just that um, what the dribble handoff, he's in 11th percentile. He was like literally in the 99th percentile last year. Like that's, uh, you know, that's been a drop off. But I just think um, you got to just trust him to figure it out. You know, he's he's a three-time champion, two-time MVP. And he's like, he's our guy. You just got to figure it out. And then, Well, that's what I want to ask you because there's been yeah. a lot of conversation around is Steph in decline? And I get it. Like, with age, you're going to decline. Right. But, I mean, I just cannot believe that Steph has forgotten how to shoot the basketball. Right, and, that, right. and that's um, – it's weird because you look at the numbers at face value without doing a deep dive. You think, oh, he's slowing down a little bit. But – it's the open shots that are right. that, that was the crazy part. You look at it like he's right. missing wide open shots and he's hitting the ones that are that are contested. Right. So I know if you're a Warrior fan, you think, well, maybe that's that stabilizes and he takes off in the playoffs, but it just it hasn't quite yet. He's had a couple of big games like uh, in the last couple of weeks. But you know, if that stabilizes, you know, I think he looks, you know, like the Steph of old. You know, guys like Steph, they're where they're not completely dependent on athleticism. They tend to have longer careers, you know what I mean? Longer careers being effective. You know, Ray Allen played forever. Reggie Miller played till late thirties. Steph is going to be on that on that same track, given you know he has an outlier skill that's not dependent on on athleticism. So I think I think Steph at least has a few more years as being recognized as a you know a consensus you know top four player that upper echelon of guys. I think he's right has a, a few more years of that. So you're not yet prepared to be like he's in this decline that no nah, at the face value the numbers do look like when you go like a, on a deep dive and see that it's mostly wide open stuff and then like he's in a hundredth percentile in isolation uh ninety seventh percentile as a pick and roll ball handler like those are the two two like two things for guards that are that are telltales and he's still at the top of the league in that you just you know need his yeah. to stabilize. His finishing has definitely improved. It's like his three that's still somewhat inconsistent. Yeah, see, I, I think it's the, I, I think that's a, a a byproduct of him. It might be like the weights, right? So we got better at finishing, dealing with contact, but at the same time, when you you know lift a lot, your your shot, you know, the touch has to be adjusted because you're you're stronger now. So I think you just got to balance that. Okay. All right. So, I mean, we're playing the Lakers this weekend, right? We both have a couple of games in between there, but that's why I wanted to have you on the show. So <laughs> we're playing you guys, but you guys have um, the Clippers and um, the Mavericks. Is that, who, who are you guys playing this week? What's the Clippers, other Clippers, Mavericks, Warriors. Okay. And we play the Mavericks. Mavericks, Mavericks, Mavericks first, then Clippers and Warriors. Okay. And we have the Mavs again on Thursday. Before that, we play the Wolves. So that's um, our next game. Um, actually, by the time this episode drops, I think it will be after that Timberwolves game. But um, so we have those two games in between before we get to you guys. Um, I really need us to win that Mavericks game to make up for like this just fucking 
like the complete meltdown. Like I'm usually someone who doesn't get like too upset. Some of the losses have affected me, but like not that deeply. But last night I just felt like it was inexcusable. Like that was just not a game you were supposed to lose. Um, even the one with Denver before the, the all-star break, you know, um, those were just like games to me, like they should not have dropped. And so I'm hoping we're going into the game on the weekend versus the Lakers, like having one, but we'll see, cause we're going to be playing the wolves again. And clay is, is not playing. Apparently he has some kind of illness and they're just being very general. So I hope it's nothing too serious, but they'll right. be without clay, but the wolves will be on a back-to-back. So but it's in, it's in Minnesota. So we'll see. I don't know. Um, are you guys going to get any wins before you play us on Saturday? You think? Um, the Clippers game is tough. Uh, they almost had them last time, but just something about uh, Ty Lee, Ty Lue just always runs circles around Vogel. Um, Ty Lue's uh, a good coach, man. Yeah, he's I a great he's, coach. Good yeah, is not right, even, right. yeah, he's great. I actually hate, like, I love Ty Lue as a coach. I hate when we play him, too, just because of the way he defends stuff. Like, even, like, he, they always just do a good job with us if, if we was on the other side coaching. Right. So, um, the Mavericks game, uh, again, when teams are, are great defensively, uh, they give the Lakers trouble because they're just not going to give LeBron the rim. And I think Are either of those home games? Uh, I think they're on a homestand. Matter of fact, I think they're all three at home. Yeah, they're all okay. three at home. It's a homestand. Because I think the, I think the Warriors Lakers game is going to still be competitive because I, I think Steph and Braun still really revel in playing one another. Right. So then there's a, I saw some ABC too. So I think they're both trying to put on the show. So yeah, but yeah. It's um they're all at home. I mean, technically it's a Clippers home game, but we know how that goes when they play that with, with, with the. <laughs> It just is what I mean. It's not a shot of the Clippers. It's just you know. No, uh, yeah, right. The, the those those are all three going to be tough games. It just you know, they said before when the Lakers were catting off early in the season, people were all saying you know that last two and a half months they are playing all good teams, so they need to pull it together. So when they were barely skating at five hundred, uh, you know, people saw the doomsday coming, and now that. The schedule toughened up. They're five games under because the you know, schedule got harder. They're still playing, have the same bad habits, not What's playing going hard. What's on with AD? Will he return before? Do you think before the season ends? Like, well, they said he's be, he said he's being reevaluated on March seventeenth, right? Okay. And at that point, there'll be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen games left. At that's the reevaluation point. So there might be another week or something after that, and we'll see what happens, but. I think they'll just assess where they are and decide whether or not to pull the plug. I think that's what that means. When they say evaluate, that means we'll evaluate where the hell the Lakers are understanding before we <laughs> decide you to break it. You think there's a chance they could call it a wrap to the season before? You think that's like really possible? There's a chance they could shut AD down. I absolutely do think so. If they if if they're like if they find themselves in a situation where it's bottomed out and they're three, four games out of that 10 seed where it's just completely they go like have like a big one and seven stretch, and it just be like there's no point in bringing him back. I think that that's the, that's like the ultimate doomsday though. But I think they'll just evaluate where they are, and I think they're still in that nine ten area with a chance to you know sneak in and play. They'll 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 play him. So let me ask you this question because I had Jasmine Watkins on the show previously, and at the time, yes, she- that's my girl. I know she's one of my stories. She's the best. Um, 
you know, we because at that time there was that whole conversation going around. It was after the top 75 celebration and there right. was that picture on Twitter with the Lakers, um, you know, players. And so it was like, is Braun a Laker legend? Or, you know, where, where do you land on that? So that's one question. Is he a Laker legend? And two, like, if you guys, even if you make the plan or make the playoffs, but it's an early exit, and that kind of seems like where it might be trending for, for yeah, the Lakers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you have this year the way that it went, um, last year, um, you guys went out in the first round due to some injuries. The first year, Braun was there, injuries, so you didn't make the playoffs. You guys have won finals. You know, obviously, you guys did win one. Um, is that enough for you to call, like, Braun and AD, like, and him coming, like, a success? Or do you feel like you under they underachieved? Because I know, like, there are some people who kind of, like, they yeah. regret trading the young court. And you're like, no, we got a ring out of it. But, and his time isn't done. And anything can still happen next year. But like, do you think at this point, like if it was to end, would you consider it a success? Well, the the point is to win a championship, right? So they won a championship. So you have to call it a success. Um, You just, at some point, even though star players, you know, you end up, you you pay the price for trading for them at some point, you know, so you hope you cash in and the Lakers did cash in. You just have to point now where they're paying for it, right? So, you know, you sold your whole farm, a bunch of picks that can be swapped or downright taken away, right? So this is this is the price. This is what, you know, AD cost. It's unfortunate that he just, you know, can't stay on the floor to maximize, you know, your end of it. But you didn't win a championship, though, so you can't call it a uh, a failure. I think that's being a little dramatic uh, for, for people who are doing that. And I was you think it's underachieving at all just because, like, Lakers, at least... Uh, yeah, you know what, that's right. People, I mean, people may feel that way because it's the Lakers and there's, like, usually the superstars that have all been here throughout uh, our history have all won multiple championships. So on that end, people may, you know, interpret that as failure, you know, Magic, Dynasty, uh, Shaq, Dynasty, Kobe, you know, Dynasty, you know. So I think that's kind of what people... You know, would be expectation whether it's realistic or not in a salary cap era. <laughs> I think the salary cap rules are like specifically uh, designed to try to impede that with the you know the punitive uh, luxury tax and you know making it harder to 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 you know sign for agents, giving them incentives to stay where they are with the money. But um, I, I can't call it a failure at the end of time. So I, here's the thing: I won't call it a failure or underwhelming, but I understand why people view it that way. Cause it all depends on your lens. If your right. lens is like Laker history, then yeah, I can see how it's underwhelming, but you know, they won a championship, you know, there was certain circumstances they couldn't control with the whole COVID in the bubble. Um, they got it done, whether or not people want to weigh that championship a certain way. Me, I just call it a championship. Some people call it hard. Some people call it easy, but you know, that's a whole different discussion. I'm not going to get into for the 978th time. Um, <laughs> But <laughs> is that something that Lakers fans debate though, or is that just like a uh, outside no, of the fan base who were trying to like attack you guys? Yeah, it's outside. It's outside. But you, okay. know, you hear so much people are like all you got was a bubble ring for AD, and I'm like, all right, man. If it was so easy, you know, why wouldn't your team there? So it was like, you know, whatever. But um, so they did get a championship out of it. So I can't really. You, there's no way you can call it a failure. There's teams who still have not won a championship, have not been to a finals. You know, so there's no way you can say that. Oh, in God. my opinion. So is he a Laker legend? Or is he a legend that played for the Lakers? 
he's a legend that played for the Lakers for me. Uh-huh. You know, this is a guy who's been here, the legend, a legend that played for the Lakers. I think if he gets one more, he's a Laker legend. I think all those guys got like multiple rings. So if he gets one more, he's a Lakers legend. But right now he's a legend that that played for the Lakers. Okay. But I will say this, he did the Lakers were a rudderless ship until he came along. Like it was looking bad. Like they had a bunch of these good, young, talented players, but they weren't being developed uh, correctly. Like they showed all shown, you know, signs and flashes, but they just, I don't think, you know, Luke Walden and his beach buddies were the, the coaching staff and they just got a bunch of wild vets. Like the vets were like Lance Stevenson and, and, and JaVale McGee. You know what I mean? So it was like those guys weren't necessarily going to develop the best they could. So I think, I give LeBron credit for that. Like he kind of steered the ship, you know, correctly for at least a, a year that is, you know. Okay. Okay. I think that's fair. I mean, I think that's where I land too, as someone who observed the Lakers. I, I you know, Jasmine, she was of the mindset that like there really isn't anything he can do to be a Lakers legend. She just thinks he's a legend that played for the Lakers. Like at the just I think based on like the number of years he has left, because she's like, she thinks he would you know, have to play for a number of years and, oh, right, and that right, right. kind of thing. So she had some other criteria, but um, I'm only assessing it on right now because I don't know what the future will bring. But right, I right, think, right. I think, yeah, you would just say he's a legend that played for the Lakers. That That's kind of where I land. Um, all right, so let's talk about this game real quick on Saturday because then I want to like talk a little bit around what's going on around the league and what you're seeing. Um, so we're going to play you guys on Saturday. Like you said, it's ABC game. Right. on stuff like to get up um we won the first two games um the personnel though but this is going to be you know in staples the personnel has like i don't know in the first game you guys had most of your players or your key guys right um on an ad played both games yeah oh did they yeah, Brown and AD play. It was opening night, right? It was opening yeah, night. Yeah, I know you guys yeah. were like still healthy then, but I know like since yeah, Brown and AD, Brown and Brown and AD play. I remember that because yeah, uh, I remember everybody was like Kaminga was giving AD a hard time. People were kind of kind of mad. <laughs> he wasn't more dominant. So yeah, that, I, I I distinctly remember that. Um. Yeah. I mean, we will be without Dre still. Um. So. I imagine Clay, I, I imagine Clay is probably talking. Yeah, about I'm hoping Clay is back by then. I, I don't know what this illness is because they just like a general illness. And so we, I really don't know. So I hope it's nothing too severe. So, but assuming Clay is back um, and there's no other changes, um, what advantages do you see like for the Warriors? And like, what are the, what are the advantages for you guys? Well, the Warriors, right. It just, you know, they're great defensively. Uh, the, the, the Lakers aren't. Um, I think the, the Warriors have a, they specifically have an offense that moves a lot and the Lakers just have such trouble, you know, rotating and moving defensively. Um, so I think then that's where they'll be attacked. And I think the, like the last game, the, the Lakers kept it close because, you know, they uh, attacked inside and that's the Warriors weakness right now without Dre and you know, Looney being their only center. That's that's where you got to kind of try to keep the game close. I think that's how they kept it close. But with eighty um, out, who are they going to go to? Right, that's what I'm saying. That's that's the other thing. Uh, you know, they'll probably post LeBron a lot. You know, see how that works. But you know, Kerr is smart. You know, the Lakers can't shoot that well. He'll probably double and <laughs> and make other guys beat them. That's what the Pelicans did. The Lakers were 
you know, three for 20 at one point from three and, you know, long threes lead to fast breaks. So, you know, that adds up over time. So, you know, I think the the Lakers, you know, they'll obviously be a, a talent deficit, you know, looking at both rosters. But, you know, the, the Lakers will try to pound the ball inside, you know, slow the tempo down and, you know, make it every possession, you know, that much more valuable to, you know, keep the game close. And the, the Warriors are going to do what they do, pay fast, get up a lot of threes, have a lot of movement on offense, and we'll see where the chips fall. I feel like they struggle to push the pace with like Dre out. Um, like even in the game, the I think other- so. They're they're lacking uh, another ball handler, which is why I'm curious why Poole's minutes are down. Yeah, they got into like in that fourth quarter, they got into like a lot of isolation. Um, actually, even before the fourth quarter, and I like before that game because I had um, hosted like a spaces with SJ and I was just saying, I think like, aside from they need to make sure like their defense is, is tight. I thought that they really needed to push that the pace in that game. And they were doing that like early and then they just went away from it. And so right. um, I feel like if you guys are able to take them out of it and teams have been able to, that will like give you guys a better chance. Right. And, and, and that's the thing, like, and those are teams that are disciplined, you know, which the Lakers have not proven to be. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I'm just going up at, at this point. Like you said it yourself, like a couple of minutes ago, you know, we're in game 60 right now, right? So these teams are who they are. You know, the, the buyout deadline for guys to be playoff eligible is tomorrow, right? So that's like so the biggest change are going to come on the margins. There's no big trades or big deals happening. And it's just the Lakers just haven't been disciplined on, on either end this season, you know, turning the ball over and losing guys, giving up threes, you know, so – they just have they'll have to lock in and the Warriors are going to test that that's what a current offense does a lot of movement you're going to have to talk and read and, and switch and, and you know we'll stuff like that they'll get the last one close we'll see what happens I wonder um because you spoke about the buyout um deadline even though we it's unlikely the Warriors are going to do anything is there someone out there that you think they could get on the buyout market that would actually help. Cause I know you've talked about us having like another, this is probably not realistic, but you've talked about us having like a better shot creator than like a Jordan pool, like someone's of a higher level. Yeah, 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 that was and really I don't think that, that was before yeah, the trade deadline. Yeah. And then the other thing is like, obviously getting a big, which a lot of fans talk about. Um, but is there someone out there? I mean, Robin Lopez is the only name I've heard. Yeah, that's what, that's what about. I was like, I thought Robin Lopez, like okay. Robin Lopez would have been like, you know, he's just the type of big Kerr likes a uh, big, can move a little bit, can really pass, you know, that, you know, like a poor man, like a potentially be a poor man's bogut, which okay. is what Kerr, you know, Kerr loves, you know, bigs that can, you know, kind of read the floor in front of him. Um, yeah, I, I, my being about the Warriors, that was my two issues. Like, you know, Jordan Poole is going to have to be their, their second best on ball creator. That's a lot for a team trying to win a championship. A guy like that. Um, because you look at all the other teams, you know, Phoenix, they got two really good ones, Paul and Booker, right? Um, Grizzlies, they got, you know, Morant, Desmond Bain is really good. You know, a couple other guys who got some wiggle, you know, Tyus Jones, uh, Melton, they got guys who can just really attack off the dribble. Um, so, you know, Poole's going to have to play and, you know, and, you know, be effective for them to win in the later rounds, at least. Um I don't think the Warriors care, but 
I'm looking at that that second round matchup with the Grizzlies is just not going to be fun because they always play the Warriors tough because the Grizzlies' strengths they line up with the Warriors' weaknesses, which is you know rebounding and you know pay points. You know Grizzlies lead the NBA in pay points, lead the NBA uh, or top near the top of the NBA offense rebound because they got Stephen Adams and, and uh, Jaron Jackson in there. How do you think guys. they'd adjust to like playing us with Clay? Because they've yet to play us with right, with, right with Clay. I mean, you know, um, you know, they'll have though know, Dylan Brooks probably following Clay around, humping his leg like he did Steph in the play, and you know, fouled him up and down the court him. until the ref stops calling it, which is actually a sound strategy. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep fouling until the ref gets called, tired of calling it. So, like, I kind of get like it. Their Draymond, he's like that player. Like, if he's on, I your think team, yeah, you D- like Dylan him. Brooks. Yeah, Dylan Brooks is like, I love him if he's on my team. If right, he's not, but you hate him if he's not. Right. <laughs> I think like the Dylan Brooks will definitely you know draw the clay step assignment depending on who else was on the floor. Um, I think the Grizzlies. I think they do a really good job of not letting Steph beat them. So I think Clay would actually be a big factor because he's going to be a guy that's not going to be afraid to take and make big shots that, you know, Clay that those Steph generates. He's right. going to step right into those and let him fly. Like I said, I mean, a lot of this is you need Wiggins to get back to his early season form. He just hasn't been, you know, the guy that kind of was busting out early in the year. I think some of that has to do with Clay being back. That's fair. That's fair. That's completely fair. That's completely fair. But I, th- but that's what concerns me. Like, I'm like, I think they're going to figure it out or at least I hope they will. But, um, right, like they got to find a way to make sure that like Wiggins, we can tell he's someone that you need to like keep him engaged yep. and, and, <laughs> yeah. and run plays for him. Like if you're leaving him on his own, you know, cause someone like someone pointed out to me, like, well, he's still getting up like the same shot attempts. And I'm like, but it's it's not running it's not coming from like actions they're running for him like he's yeah, having yeah, to yeah. create them for point. himself and if he creates them for himself he's not going to be as effective like we know that and that's like his his choices are not as smart and right. <laughs> you know and so they have to find a way to make sure because we need we need him we actually need that production he's been giving us all season with clay and so and also pool like we need both of them and so it, you know, people were saying like, well, do you think Clay coming back, like how's it gonna affect them? And I thought like the main person who was really gonna have to adjust him was Wiggins because Poole would go to the bench and, and play more from there. But I don't know, I'm not, it hasn't yet really fit together that well. And so my my concern is a little, but if we, if we like keep playing and it doesn't seem like it's starting to gel and flow, then it might raise, but I think it's going to be hard to tell before Dre gets back. Right. I think Dre needs to be out there so we can see how it all works together. Yeah, Cause I think, I think Dre will reel clay in a little bit. Like I love clay and you're never going to bash clay, but <laughs> sometimes when he's been out there, he's been playing maybe not always within the flow of the offense. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's uh, you know people forget that that's who Clay was. Right. You know, I'm always like, I don't care what. <laughs> I'm kidding. <you. laughs> so that's always been who Clay was. It is. It's not a departure, but yeah. they had a little bit more freedom, I think, to do that. Then the team was different. I think. True. I don't think it's as wise to do that now. I guess is really my point. Yeah. Okay, so there was some things that happened around the league, right? Um, Harden went to Philly. That's like the biggest. So Harden went to Philly. 
you know who the Nets picked up. Um, we've now seen a couple of games with Harden and Embiid. They've looked great. What do you think about the Sixers? And who do you now think is the best team in the East? Um, I definitely think the Sixers trade elevated them to that upper echelon. Just having some place, uh, you know, I make my Harden jokes, but when he's engaged, he's still pretty damn good, especially from a playmaking standpoint. Top 10 think, players though, right? You yeah, think? I think um, on, the, on the bottom end of that at least, but still, you know, still in that conversation. Um, I think Embiid, this is the most open the court's ever been for him. That's the dangerous part. Because with Simmons on the floor, there's always a chance that there's going to be a roamer. You're packing it in. And that uh, Harden and B pick and roll is so deadly because you can't switch it because you end up with somebody small on Embiid, which is in his post numbers are just absolutely absurd this year. He scores on everybody. Um, or you have a, a big guy guarding hard, and that's the tough part. Um, maybe not as deep, which is less important in the playoffs. Uh, Doc Rivers still coaching them, uh, which is a <laughs> right. Uh, right. And uh, Harden, maybe not the most reliable guy in the playoffs in the past. That's always there, but I think they're right there in that upper echelon. And B is always a real good in the playoffs. The Sixers on off numbers, they've always got destroyed in the playoffs when he doesn't, when he's not on the floor. When he's on the floor, they've always been a net positive because he's that he's that dominant that pays that much attention. So that's definitely something to watch out for. They're still in that upper echelon. Um, the Bucks have been sleepwalking a lot, but I'm still going to ride with them. They miss P.J. Tucker and Brooke Lopez a lot defensively. Like they've definitely taken a tail off on that end. Uh, they got a lot of rim protection from Brooke. He wasn't a big shot blocker, but he protected the rim. Like he was a good deterrent against rim shots. And then PJ Tucker was just a wing stopper. And I don't know if they have uh, one of those outside of Giannis, who was basically best used as a roamer defensively instead of an on ball guy. So I think those are the two issues that, you know, I can see based possibly playing the Bucks in the playoff series, but I'm still going to ride with them for the moment. Do you think the Nets can make a deep run once Katie returns? And I, I don't know when Ben Simmons is going to actually see yeah, the right. court, but do you think they can? And you're talking about, you know, two humongous cogs who have to A, get in shape, B, catch their own rhythm, and then C, on top of that, have to learn how to play together. And, and this is all in 20 games plus a playoff run. So... Uh, it's unrealistic. I do think KD is special, but I don't know if if, if that's going to just work out. These teams are going to be well oil machines by the playoffs, have stuff down pat. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, and KD. is that like a real thing? I mean, you're talking about it, but I've heard a lot. I've gone to some net spaces and I've heard a lot of Nets fans and they're just like, when you have talent, they just figure it out. So I'm not like too worried about us needing time to figure it you out. That, and... I mean, you can say that, but historically, it, when has that worked? Where you try to throw a bunch of guys together who've been hurt or missing all year and it wins, never happened. So you can say what you want, but historically, it's just never happened. Right. You, know, you have to build continuity. You have to build chemistry. You have to build trust. You know, you have to go through close games together to know what works and what doesn't. Like all that stuff matters. So. You can say that, you know, but this is not NBA 2K. You know, you just don't trade for guys in the game and they're automatically know all the plays and sets, right? So so would you, you say know, the so. Bucks and the Sixers now would be the top two teams in the East? Or do you think like the Heat are in there? The Heat are, the heat are up there. The Heat okay. are up there. I think it's Bucks, Bucks, Heat, Sixers are the first uh kind of the first wave. Um the Bulls gotta get healthy because I think they were right there on the edge of that, but 
they miss Lonzo and Caruso so bad on defense. Like they they're just hemorrhage points now without those two on the floor. Despite how great DeRozan's trying to keep him in there single handedly, but they just miss those guys a lot. So I got to see them and Pat Williams get healthy. But yeah, that three you mentioned, uh, Miami, Milwaukee, okay. and, and, and uh, the Seventy Sixers are the are the the cream of the crop to me right now. And also, I'll say this: keep your eye on the Celtics. Yeah, they're they're um, ascending at the right time. So um, Boston, I'm happy because I was like really disappointed in their start. I thought like it was going to be a big year for them. So I'm glad they're not making me look like a total fool. Um, in the West, really quickly, um, I I think I fall into the camp with you. I see you and Nakai is kind of going at it, but like with the Suns right now, we might be losing because they're they're one and three, one and two, they one and two in the Chris Paul less era. era. <laughs> Oh, my agenda going down the drain. <laughs> so, but I, I I still think the Suns are going to hold on to the top spot. I just don't see them losing enough games. But, um, you know, how much is that Chris Paul injury going to impact them? They they won one, which was, I think, versus OKC. Um, and then they lost the last two. Well, I think the thing is, that, like, Chris Paul's not also out. It's also Cameron Payne. Campaign, yeah. They don't even gonna... have their their backup right now. So you're playing without a point guard. So like that's the other part. They don't even have the the guy who's a lesser version of Chris Paul. So it's super rough right now. It's all on Booker. He's his natural inclination is to score first. So it's tough for other guys to to get theirs. I think that's the issue more so than anything else right now. Okay. But if they get campaign back, I think they can survive without Chris Paul, but they are going to need him in the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, you know, much to my chagrin, but, uh, you know. Do you think Do you think the Suns, Warriors, and Grizzlies are all on the same tier, or do you think, would you? I think it's, I think it's Suns, Warriors, and the Grizzlies are just, a, like, it's a hair behind, but just a hair. Okay. They're behind, but just a hair. Okay. So you would consider them, though, the top, in the the west and then like the three that you i think those are the three teams with a realistic chance of like okay we can win this conference i think those are the three teams okay okay well thank you jason i appreciate it this was great having you on thank you having me on no i really um maybe when people see me talking to you and i put this out they'll be like oh that nat girl isn't so bad because man (laughs) lakers twitter they come for me jason i'll say this man Twitter is as serious as you want to make it, man. Get some jokes off, enjoy hoop. And then it's like, it I don't be that serious, but like, right, right. You got to, you send know. me like death threats. I'm like, y'all know I'm not that serious, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's, that's, that's the point. That's why you got to, uh, you just got to block and move on, baby. Block and move on. Thing like that. Well, again, good luck to your team this week in the playoffs. Um, Thank you. I I can't decide whether I want the, the Lakers to make it <laughs> lose in the first round. No, no, lose in the in the um play-in because y'all had a lot to say about the Warriors. Not you per se, but others. No, before um, the season, I, before the season, I had the Warriors the top three seed. People were laughing. No, I know you were higher on the Warriors, yeah. but I just mean in general, like we caught a lot like, oh, you lost in the player to draw. Da, 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 da. So um, <laughs> it would be quite funny to me if they did lose in the play-in. I know this weekend, obviously, I want us to beat you guys, but um, there's some people like 
Urkel, as you know, like he like he really wants the Lakers to make the playoffs. Like there's some people really want it. I don't know where I land on that, but I I I'm still in the camp of like, are they really gonna like fall out? Like, is this really gonna happen? Because I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna think about that. Did they have enough? Did they have enough of a cushion to uh to withstand the the tough schedule? I don't know if if I don't know if uh, Portland, the Pelicans, and the Spurs are gonna win enough to overtake them. They got like a three game cushion. So we'll see what happens. Well, we'll see. But all right, I'm predicting Warriors on Saturday. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll have a playoff game, so I won't watch the game. But I have league pass, so I'll watch the replay. Oh, oh, damn. So you won't even be on live. Okay. I won't. won't, But All right. Well, good luck with that. Definitely. I hope you guys win. Looking forward to you having like much success in the playoffs, your team. So go Jason. Have a great um, night. You guys check out, like I said, Temple of Hoop. As you hear, Jason's great. He's super smart. You're going to be smarter by listening to him. Um, Follow, subscribe to his podcast. Um, Dope, dope, really dope follow. So um, (laughs) Yeah, that that's it. Make sure you follow, um, subscribe, rate, rate my pod, five stars only. If not, just you know, <laughs> say hi, but keep it moving. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time, guys. Take care.